How many people uh, have made um, a New Year's resolution? How many people give up on that a long time ago? You gave up on it because it was, uh, you felt defeated when you, when you finally messed up, right? So, you know, you make, it, you make a, uh, a commitment that um, uh, you're going to go to the gym and then before January's out, you, you stop going and, and then you feel defeated. So we just, we just quit doing it. We think, well, you know, we'll just, uh, let's just take it a day at a time. And uh, we've been talking about 2018 and, and how that uh, there's a spirit of expectancy that, that God has, has placed in me and, and around uh, this church of what's going to happen in 2018. But, but in order for us to get to where I believe and feel that God wants us to go, uh, we have to be willing to go to the next level. Now, when you talk about that, anytime you want to go to the next level in anything, anytime you, you want to, to, to just go a little bit higher, it, it takes some sacrifice. It, it takes some discipline. It, it takes uh, you being willing to work harder to get to where you want to go. It may mean you have to change some things. How many people like change? One. Change is not something that, that, that many of us like. But in order to, to get to, to where we're going, sometimes you have to change some things. Uh, about 15 years ago, I decided that, that, that I wanted to lose weight. It was probably a New Year's resolution thing. And so I began to, to work to lose weight. And, and I lost about 50 pounds. And I got to a point, and I was doing the same thing that I had been doing to lose those 50 pounds and people all around me were like, you know, that's awesome, that's awesome. But, but I still wasn't where I wanted to be. I went from obese to just fat. <laughs> so at this point, I'm, I'm saying, man, I, what am I going to do? So I, so I plateaued. And so here I am at, at this point in my life, and I have to make a decision. Am I just going to be satisfied just being fat? Because after all, you know, I used to be obese. Or... Am I going to change some things? Am I going to, to do some things a, a little bit different to try to get past where I am to get to where I want to go? And so at that point, I decided, well, I guess I might have to start exercising. So I added exercise to my, to my routine. Yes, it was harder. Yes, it, was, it required more discipline. Yes, there were some things that I had to change but I was willing to do that because I wanted to get to that next level of weight loss. How many people play video games? Come on, come on adults, don't lie. We've got some adults here that are video game addicts. Like 4.30 in the morning, put your headset on, talk online. I did that in college, somebody still got their hand up. Now, I'm going to tell my age. How many people remember the Atari 2600? Yes. Man, when that thing came out, it was the bomb. I was so excited. Now, you young kids, you know, this Mickey Mouse thing that they, you know, you plug it in and it's got 57,000 different games on it. That's not, that's just a joke. I'm talking about an authentic Atari 2600 with the joystick and the fire button and I loved the game Donkey Kong. 
But it used to get me so irritated because you would jump and dodge all the barrels and you would get to the top. And then what would it say? It would just take you to a next level. It would get harder. And you just kept going and going. But, but I was determined that I was going to beat every level. But it took dedication. It took time. It took effort. It, it took my eyes crossing every now and then because I was staring at the great graphics from the Atari 2600. But the reality is, is that we have been pre-wired by God to strive for better. We have been wired by God to want the best. No one wants just an okay marriage. They want it to be great. Nobody wants just okay finances. They want them to be great. They want to achieve. But in order for us to have next level living, it requires us to have a next level relationship with God. Let me say that again. In order for us to obtain next level living, it requires us having a next level relationship with God. You see, that's the key to it all. God wants your relationship with Him to grow so that He can use you. My prayer every day is, is, is God, use me to make a difference in your kingdom. But in order for that to happen, my relationship with Him has to grow. And sometimes in my life, there will, and, and in your life, there will arise situations that are beyond your control. There will be situations that are impossible for you to solve. Can I tell you what that means? That means that God wants to show His power in your life. There are going to be situations that you come up against that without God, you're going to be destroyed. You're going to be conquered. We look back in the Old Testament. The children of Israel came to the Red Sea. They had a sea in front of them. They had Egyptians behind them. That was an impossible situation. It was a crisis. Anybody had a crisis in your life? Yeah, we've all had things in our life that seemed like a crisis. That's what they were facing. But what happened? The waters parted. They walked through. That day, the Israelites' faith was increased. The Israelites understood and realized here's a situation that we could not have taken care of on our own. But the God of heaven and earth fought on our behalf. He parted the seas. Their faith was increased. You look at the disciples in the New Testament. Here they were walking with Jesus and they, and they listened to Him say, we're going to change the world. We're going to do it together. We're gonna, and they begin to, to walk with Him and, and see and, and, and pray for Him that He would be able to change the world. But then they watched Him die. Can you imagine the pain, the sorrow? Here they are in the midst of a crisis. But then on the third day He rose. And they watched him. They, they got to, he appeared to them. Can you imagine what their faith must have been like in that moment? Here we are in the midst, the, the man that said that he was the son of God had died. And then they watched him live again. Their faith was increased. And then we know that, that they went on to Peter who had denied Jesus because he was so scared. And he didn't have the faith that, that Jesus was who that he said that he was. 
went on to start the New Testament church and to be the rock that the church was built on. His faith was increased. And reality, the question is not whether or not we're going to face crisis in our life. But the reality and the question is, are we going to, when it happens, will we blame or will we believe? Will we blame or will we believe? Will we say, God, what are you doing to me? Will we blame God for the situations and the circumstances that come in our life? Or are we going to believe that He is who that He says that He is? Are we going to, to, to just plateau in our relationship with Him and say, well, I'm better than, than the person down the road? I'm better than... Or are we going to strive to get to the next level? This morning for a few minutes, I, I want to, to talk about a man in the, in the Old Testament by the name of Joseph. Joseph was a man who got into some situations and some circumstances that were beyond his control. He was one of 12 brothers. He was his father's favorite son. Now, parents, if you have a favorite, don't tell it. Don't tell it. Don't show it. My sister always said she was the favorite. I always said I was the favorite. But my parents never really showed any favoritism. But here in this situation, they were 12 brothers. He was his father's favorite son. And his father gave him a beautiful coat. You may have heard about it with the flannel graph. Coat of many colors. He stuck it right there on the board. But all his brothers were out working. And his dad said, Jacob said, go check on your brothers. So Joseph was in the house. They were out in the fields working. And so here he comes. It's been a long day for these guys. And here comes dad's pet son wearing that beautiful coat. They get a little aggravated. They get a little upset. They decide, you know what? Let's kill him. Joseph hadn't done anything. But let's kill him. We're sick of him. We'll tell dad that he was eaten by animals. Luckily, there was the oldest son, Reuben, and he said, let's just throw him in this pit. And his plan was to come back and, and to rescue him. But after they did that, they saw that some people were coming through. They said, I got an idea. Let's just sell him. Let's sell him. Kids don't get any ideas. You can't sell your brothers or sisters on eBay, okay? It's illegal. Let's sell him. So they sell him to a rich man in Egypt, and they take him there. They sell him into slavery. He's bought by Potiphar. So here he is. He's done nothing wrong. He's been thrown into a pit, threatened to be killed, sold into slavery, sent back to the land of Egypt. And the Bible tells us in Genesis 39 and 2, the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. Now, I, I, I'm sitting here thinking, are you kidding, God? 
I mean, how could you be with Joseph? You've allowed him to be thrown into a pit, sold into slavery, taken away from his family, but you're with him? It says, and he became a successful man, and, and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. Is it possible that God is with us despite our circumstances? The Lord was with Joseph. He's in a terrible situation. So he goes into his house, and the Bible tells us that he succeeded in everything that he did. And God started to to prosper Joseph. Potiphar notices there's something different about this guy. I mean, it seems like that, that everything that he does, everything that he touches just turns to gold. God was blessing his life. And Potiphar begins to notice, and he says, you know what, I'm going to put him in charge of my house. As a pastor, I love those people that I can watch, and, and, and they just take care of everything. And I don't have to worry about it. And I say, I'm going to put you in charge of this because I don't have to worry about it. I'm going to put you in charge of this. And that's what Potiphar was facing here. He said, you know what, I don't have to worry about anything. I'll just, all i got to do is worry about what I'm going to eat. I'm going to put Joseph in charge. So here Joseph is probably thinking, I'm just going to make the best of a bad situation. Here I am, away from my family, but I'm just going to keep trusting God. So he's in charge of the whole house, but then Mrs. Potiphar shows up. Heard her husband must not have had a good relationship because she, Joseph caught her eye. And she would continually try to to make passes at at Joseph. But Joseph, every time, would just stand up and say no. But she wouldn't give up. So one day, she just decided that she was just going to jump him, I guess. And she rips his shirt off. And he runs out of the house like the fat kid on the Cosby show. We're doing all 80s today, baby. Atari and the Cosby Show. That was my life growing up. Did you know that little kid, Peter, I think his name was? Every time something would happen, he would just run out of the house. Well, that's what I picture Joseph doing here. So she starts screaming. She's upset. She starts screaming and and telling her husband that that Joseph attacked her. Now, who's he going to believe, his wife or Joseph? Now, man, if you would have believed Joseph, don't tell it, okay? He believed his wife. So he takes Joseph and he throws him into an Egyptian prison. Now, we're talking about, this is, this is a scary prison. These are scary people. So here Joseph is, done nothing wrong, threatened to be killed, thrown into a pit, sold into slavery, now accused of something that he didn't do. The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 39, verse 21, once again, but the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. So once again, I'm thinking, God, are you really still with him? I mean, I know me personally, I'm human. 
I would probably be questioning. And somebody said, well, God's with you. And you're thinking, whatever. Where is he? I'm in prison. And it goes on to tell us in verse 22, And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. So once again, Joseph is being elevated because of his faithfulness. He's being elevated, and he puts him in charge of the prison. So I guess if you're going to be in prison, the best case scenario is to be the one in charge of all the other prisoners. He was probably a pretty popular guy, you think? So then one point in the story, Pharaoh gets upset at two officials and he throws them into prison. See, Pharaoh thought he was God. He could do anything that he wanted to do. And he becomes upset at at two people, the the, uh, chief cupbearer and the chief baker. And the Bible tells us that Joseph was the one who was in charge of taking care of these two officials that had been thrown into the prison with him. And they keep having dreams. They have this dream and they say, there's nobody here to interpret it. We don't know what it means. We don't understand it. And Joseph said, I can help you with that. And so they tell him his dream. Joseph said, oh, that's easy. He said, in three days, Pharaoh's going to change his mind. He's going to let you out. He's going to restore you to your position. And he said, that sounds awesome. So the cupbearer says, what? What about my dream? Joseph said, do you really want to know? Well, yeah, yeah, I want to know. In three days, you're gonna, he's going to kill you. He's got to be thinking, man, the baker gets to live and I'm going to die. So when the baker gets ready to leave, he said, just please remember me when you talk to Pharaoh. I want out of this place. I want out of I've done nothing to deserve to be here. I'm trying to make the best of it, but, but please, just, just tell him about me. Sure, sure, I will. So he leaves. He gets to live. They have a celebration. Two years later, Joseph is probably in the prison thinking, that sorry guy didn't tell Pharaoh about me. Two years later, Pharaoh starts having dreams. Has no idea. Nobody can help him. Nobody knows what they mean. And, and Pharaoh, he, he's distraught and, and he's trying to figure out what's going on. And then the, the baker remembers. Hey, you know, there was, when I was in prison, you know, you remember that? He probably, he probably didn't let, let him live it down. You remember that time you put me in prison for nothing? I had a dream and, and this guy by the name of Joseph interpreted it and it's exactly what happened maybe he can help you so they went and got Joseph they brought him before Pharaoh he said I hear you can interpret dreams now Joseph could have been very proud at that moment and said yes you're right I can but look what he said Genesis 41 16 he said it is not me 
It is not in me, but God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. He's telling him, I can't do it. It's not me, but it's God. So once again, he is showing his faithfulness. He understands where he is and where his source is coming from. I can't do it, but God can. So he goes to interpret the dream, and he says, the next seven years are going to be amazing. You're going to prosper. The crops are going to grow. You're going to have more than you know what to do with. But then there's going to be seven years of famine. And the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 41, verse 39. He's so excited. He says, I'm going to put you over my house. And all of my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards the throne will I be greater than you. So here he is, sold into slavery, accused of a crime that he did not commit, thrown into prison, brought out. Now he's been elevated to only one person above him. What's going to happen? The seven years happen and, and they begin to, to keep the crops and, and they understand that they need to, to put back because the seven years of famine is going to, to be upon them. And, and so they're putting things in the storehouse. And, and um, so once the seven years of famine starts, everybody's coming to Joseph to get food. Joseph starts distributing the food just like they had planned. The plan was working perfectly. But you see, the famine didn't just strike Egypt. It also went to the land where Joseph's family lived. And they find out, hey, there's food in Egypt they've been storing. We need to go there to get food or we're all going to die. So they pack up, his family does, his brothers. They pack up, they come to Egypt. And you guessed it, who did they have to come before? Joseph. So now they are having to bow and to beg before the person that they had just sold into slavery. Now at this moment, if it were me, I would have been um, making them sweat it. I might give you food, I might not. I'd have messed with them a little bit. Joseph didn't do that. He had this moment. He could have taken revenge, but he doesn't. Look what, hap- what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 45, verses 4 and 5. So Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. And they came, and they came near. And he said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourself because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. So here he is. He has an opportunity to get revenge. But he tells them, don't be mad. Don't be angry. Because once again, he said, God sent me here. Once again, Joseph is understanding that everything that he has went through has been directed by God. And that the evil wasn't directed by God. But God took that to turn it around. To save his family. 
Now I'm thinking, Joseph, are you crazy? It was your brothers that put you there, not God. Have we ever had that attitude? Have we ever had the attitude that we begin to blame rather than believe? Something bad happens in our life and, and, and the first thing that we want to do is say, God, it's your fault. Nobody could have blamed Joseph if, if he would have done that. And we think we go through stuff. Anybody ever been sold into slavery? Thrown into a prison for something you didn't do? Don't answer that. Here he is. He's still saying God's in control. Next part of the story, the father dies. They become frightened. They say he was only being nice to us because of dad. Now we're going to get it. Now that dad's gone, we're going to really see what Joseph is all about. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. Joseph says this, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. He said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Joseph was a guy who practiced next level faith. Next level faith. Believing God in spite of his circumstances. Believing God in spite of the situation. Believing God when everybody else around him probably thought he was crazy. He kept believing. He kept trusting. He had a faith like no other. I mean, there's times in my life that I get mad at God when he doesn't come through when I think that he should. Anybody ever been there? You're in a situation, you think, God, okay, all right already. It's time. God, you know, any day now. And then you begin to get irritated. God, why am I going through this? Why am I having to face this? And it's so hard sometimes to, to, to get past the, the faith that we currently have and to take our faith to a Joseph-like faith, a next-level faith that says, God, no matter what I'm up against, I'm going to trust you. No matter what I'm facing, I'm going to trust you. Joseph had to wait 13 years. How is it possible that, that he could live a life like that? Situation after situation realizing and knowing that God was with him. Situation after situation, understanding and knowing that God was in control. Circumstance after circumstance. It, Joseph could have turned his back on God, and we would know about it. I mean, we read all throughout the Bible about people who, and, and, and men who, who come against God and, and guys who, who turn their back on God when times got tough. There's nothing about that. When it comes to Joseph. And you see I believe that Joseph was modeling something for us. That we need to have. We need to have the attitude that says God. I choose to trust you. I choose to trust you. I choose. To let my faith go to a level. Like it's never been before. 
You see, all of this didn't play out. Till we get to the book of Romans. And we begin to read about some things that Paul was trying to tell us. In Romans chapter 8, verse 28. We know this verse. We've quoted it. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. Is it possible to to get to a place in our lives? Because this is exactly what Joseph was trying to say. This is exactly what Joseph was trying to model for us. Paul, as he began to write this letter, reminds us and tells us, all things work together for good. It doesn't say all things are good. Joseph went through some things that definitely were not good. Joseph went through some things that had the potential to destroy him. But it says that we know that all things work together for good. Sometimes life gets hard. Sometimes life gets tough. And especially as as you begin to strive to be more like Christ... As you purpose in your heart that in 2018 I'm going to to take my living to the next level. Don't think for a second that the enemy's not going to try to stop it. You see, anything that God wants to do in your life, there is a force that wants to stop it. The devil does not want you to prosper. He's been fighting against it from the very beginning. But this story about Joseph is how that God can turn a bad situation into a good one. This story about Joseph is about trusting God in the midst of confusion. God, what is going on? God, I don't understand. What's the deal? I've been good. I've been trying to to do my best. I've been trying to, to live for you. And here I am in prison. You may not be in an actual prison, but you may be here this morning and you may feel like that you are locked up. You may feel like that all of hell has come against you. I figured Joseph felt that way. But if we can get to the point that we will trust God in the confusion because that we believe that He's working on our behalf to accomplish something great in our life. Trusting God in the confusion because you believe He is working on your behalf to accomplish something great in your life. In other words, believe that God has your back. How much of a relief is it to know as we walk this earth that you have a a physical friend that you know no matter what, they're going to be there for you. No matter what, they've got your back. 
There's people like that in my life. There's people that I know when I'm down and, and when I feel like that, that everything is going wrong, that I know that they've got my back. And can I tell you, there's a God in heaven that has your back. He's greater than any friend that you can have here on this earth. Because he's all powerful. He controls it all. And there's some of you here today that as you think about this message, you can think back to a time in your life that God came through. Just like the children of Israel, as they wandered for 40 years, Sure, there were times that they thought back, yeah, but you remember that time that God did that. Now, it's easy to forget when you're in the midst of a situation and that happened to them over and over again. But what I want to challenge you to today is when you're in the midst of a situation, when you're in the midst of a circumstance, think back to the times that you trusted and believed God enough and that He came through. That you've seen Him at work. you've never experienced God coming through in a situation, it, it has to be because you've never, never had faith enough to see Him work. And so I would challenge you today to give it to Him. Give it to Him. Let Him prove that He is who He says He is. Give Him a chance to show His power in your life. This Bible is filled with stories. But they're not just stories. They are accounts of people who over and over and over again God came through for. And not only there, there are people sitting all around you today in this auditorium who could tell you stories of how God has delivered them when it looked like everything was lost. You see, our first instinct is one to blame God. But in 2018, I want our first instinct as individuals and as a church to be to believe God. See, Joseph believed that God had his back. Paul went on to write in verse 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. He adopted us into his family. He's not going to abandon his children. He's got your back. Verse 30 says, And those he, he predestined, He also called. Those He called, He also justified. Those He justified, He also glorified. This is the God that I'm asking you to trust. The God of the universe. He gave, him his, he gave us His glory. Joseph was a slave. And he was elevated to second in command he was elevated to 
we were slaves. But Christ died for us. So that one day, one day, that we could live with Him. Verse 31 says, You can't read this verse and get excited. This is the verse I like to live by. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If we can come to a point in our life that we are so convicted and we have such an understanding of this verse... If God is for us, who can be against us? Joseph modeled it. Yes, I know everything that happened in my life, if I'm Joseph. But he said, if God is for me, who can be against me? It's so comforting to know that we win. It's so comforting to know that, that no matter what we're going through, that if we can have that next level faith, which will give us a next level relationship with Him, that it's done. It's guaranteed. We win. I'm getting to the age that, and I always made fun of my dad, because he, he will never watch a, a sporting event live unless you twist his arm. It's just, it's nerve-wracking for him. And I never could understand that. But I'm getting to the age that I understand it. And I feel much better about watching a game if I know the outcome. Over Christmas, we were at my parents' house and I wasn't home to watch the game and so I came home and I knew that West Virginia had won. So I started watching it. Christy walks in. She said, you watching the game? Did they win? And my response was, I'm watching it, aren't I? I'm not going to watch it if they lose. I'm going to burn it. There's some Kentucky fans here today that lost TVs last night. Remote controls were flying. Can I tell you that you don't have to be nervous about the, the outcome. You don't have to be nervous about it. Because this word tells us that in the end we win. And it tells us that God can cause anything to work out for our good. If we love Him. You want to believe like that? You want to live like that? You want to trust like that? Do you want to let God take your faith to the next level? Over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about other aspects of things that we need to do in order to not plateau in our relationship with Him, but to take our relationship with Him to the next level. But it all starts with faith. It all starts with believing that God is who He says that He is. With every head bowed, You might be here this morning and you, 
might say, Pastor J.W., I'm, I'm just really going through it right now. I don't understand it. It's been a tough couple of weeks. It's been a tough, tough couple of months. It's been a tough year. I feel like Joseph. It's been a tough 13 years. But you're sitting here this morning and you say, you know what, I've never really put my faith and trust in Him. I've never really given Him the chance to prove that He is who that He says that He is. If you're here this morning and that's you, just slip your hand up. Give God an opportunity to prove to you That he is who he says that he is and he can do what he says he will do. Is there anybody? Just slip your hand up. And by doing that, you're just saying, Pastor, pray for me. I want to trust him. You might be here this morning, you might say, you know what? I'm, I'm trying my best to trust in God. But I have those moments when I feel like that he's not there that he doesn't care. I have those moments that I feel like I've been tossed into a pit to be forgotten about. I have those moments when I feel like that I've been thrown into a prison and I can't break free. I have those moments when I really begin to question whether God's got my back or not. Doesn't mean you're a bad person. It means you're human. that's you. I'm going to ask you to slip your hand up. Thank you. Thank you. I need him. This first service, this first Sunday of 2018, I want to make a promise to you. It's not a promise that I can fulfill, but it's a promise that I know is true. Because if it's written, it's true. God will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Ever. So if you're here this morning and you feel like that you've been forgotten, I want to reassure you that God knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly what you're going through. And if you will trust Him, if you'll give it to Him, He will prove to you that He can do what He says He can do. How many people want next level living for 2018? Slip your hand up. Tired of, I put on Facebook yesterday, sometimes it feels like that we are playing the lead role in Groundhog Day, the sequel. It's just the same junk every day, over and over and over and over. If you can come to a point that you say, you know what, I'm tired of it. I want to go to the next level. I believe that God wants to take us as a church in 2018 to a level that we cannot dream or imagine. But you know what's going to happen and what it's going to take? 
because you see, this is not the church. We are the church. So in order for us to elevate to that level, that next level, it takes us as individuals saying, God, I want a next level relationship with you. I'm going to ask you to stand. I know this has been a little bit different this morning. But God has just, over the last two or three months, God has just been something I cannot get out of my mind. And I've heard it preached before, and, and people have talked about it. Yeah, it's a new year. We're going to go to the next level. We're going to go to new heights. And I've been guilty sometimes. That's just talk. Sometimes we say things like that, but, but we don't really feel them. But I can tell you over the last few months that God has just begun to birth in me and the people that I've talked to in this congregation that if we will purpose in our hearts to take our relationship with Him to the next level, that He will show us and do what He says He will do. So we're going to close this morning in prayer. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Him, when we pray this prayer, I want to invite you to give it to Him. All your hurts, all your cares, all your concerns, all your circumstances, all your situations, give it to Him. If you're here this morning and you say, I'm trusting Him, but I want to go to that next level. I want to have that Joseph-like faith that no matter what comes my way, I can say, God is with me. Just tell him that's what he wants. That's what you want. God said, ask, you shall receive. He said, we have not because we ask not. Just tell him, God, this is what I want. Let's pray. Father, I come before you this morning. Father, I'm so thankful for your word. God, I'm so thankful that in your word that you have outlined for us and given us examples of people and who have modeled living for us. God, I thank you for the example of Joseph and his faith. God, I pray that in this auditorium this morning, your Holy Spirit will just Speak to the hearts of your people. God, I pray that in the coming days, the coming weeks, the coming months, the coming years, God, that every day, God, we will not be satisfied with staying where we are. But God, that we will strive to work harder at reading your word. To pray more. To seek your face more than we've ever sought your face before. To be an example to those people around us like we've never been before. Father, we want to experience next level living. God, for those here who may be going through it right now. God, reassure them. Reassure them that you're with them. 
that you see them, that you have their back. Father, I thank you for what you've done in this place today and what you're going to do over the course of this series. God, that is going to catapult us into heights that we can't dream or imagine. Father, use us to reach the community around us.